This episode is sponsored by Horizon Capital, an M&A and micro-private equity firm that acquires and grows SaaS companies. Horizon Capital only works with SaaS companies generating between 500K and 5 million in annual recurring revenue, where they help them unlock the true value of their business and scale to the next level. Whether you're ready to move on to your next startup or want to work with the right growth partner, Horizon's team will work with you to find the best structure possible. From M&A strategy to capital investments, SaaS is all they do. Simple as that. If you're a SaaS founder with less than $5 million in annual recurring revenue and are looking to sell your business, visit horizoncapital.com today and get a free valuation. If you'd like to sponsor the SaaS District podcast or recommend any guests that you think would be valuable to be on the show, visit horizoncapital.com slash SaaS podcast today. Thanks again, folks. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about a simple walkthrough and conversation to growing your early stage SaaS startup. Today, we have our guest, Philip Hughes, joining us. Philip is a product builder, software engineer, web developer, and digital consultant, where he's the founder of Outflash, which is a mass email service inside Outlook, Elementary Analytics, which is a sense-making platform for your website and social media analytics, and Baitcamp, which is a log planner and archive for phishing enthusiasts. Uh, He currently works full-time as a software engineer, where he has experience in desktop development, API construction, and off-the-shelf app integrations, while he's also building his SaaS companies as his side hustle on his days off. So welcome, Philip. Super excited to have you on our show today. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, so uh, guys in our audience who are listening today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to try this different type of conversational uh, you know, podcast where Philip is going to walk through where he is in his journey of building his SaaS companies. Um, he, so he's got a couple that he's working on, but we'll focus on one specifically. And then uh, I'll give some advice, I'll give some thoughts and my opinion on maybe things he could try or maybe he can do to help him take his business to the to the next level, all right? So if you guys like this type of style, uh, we're gonna try this for this one time. If it works well, uh, you guys can just tweet me directly at Akil Jabbar if you guys don't already follow me and uh, we'll try to do more episodes like this. So uh, without further ado, Philip, let's just get into it. Um, for those of us in our audience, let's tell us what's your personal background, what motivated you to start your own company as well as you know developing all these you know side projects while working full-time? Yeah, so... I've worked as a software developer since 2007, working in a few industries, uh, mainly for sort of the cloud hosting environment. So that's where I started specializing in. Um, And it got to around 2010, 2012, and I was just frustrated with working. And so I'm, I'm not a bad employee. I'm still pretty good, but I just got frustrated with sort of the, the nine to five structure really. Um, and working with friends and friends had come to me with ideas about, oh, could we do a website that did this? Uh, it could be quite cool to work on. So in my spare time, my, my nine to five also became a hobby where I was building websites and things like that. And I just got the real bug of sort of building something for myself, working on it and trying to come up with something that I could just basically that was mine, I could solely work on it. And I think one of the frustrations I had as well was um, 
I was going on a stag do to Barcelona with, uh, for a friend's stag. And then I was invited on a walking holiday. And I think then me and my wife uh, was invited for a weekend away somewhere. And because I worked for someone else, I wasn't allowed the time off and all that. I was just really, really frustrated. And I think I'd read the book about by Tim Ferriss, the four-hour work week. At a similar time, so it was a bit like, I want to do it that way and not have this structure and be able to do what I want when I want. So I think that's one of the motivations of, of having sort of the software platform that, that's your business. It gives you a lot of flexibility. So that, that's one of the main motivations that I've started these, these three platforms that we see now. Very cool. Yeah, that, I've actually been in that same experience with you. I'm, I'm actually also an engineer. Um, the last time I worked as an engineer, I think, was in 2014. So I've I stepped away. I was able to step away from the nine to five over six years ago. And I understand that frustration. Pain, right? You're looking for, for something to get out. I mean, as much as like, you know, the, the money's fine, you know, the, the salary and the comfort of the job. But, you know, at some point you want to step away and have that freedom of flexibility of time, right? And work exactly, on what yeah. you like. Um, so you've got these three companies now, Outflash, Baitcamp, yeah. Elementary, Analytics. Um, yeah. Before we get into, you know, we're going to sp- specifically talk about elementary analytics because I feel maybe that's something I can help you more with. Why, why three projects versus one? Let's start with that. Um, I think this is, I think you might, you might understand that being an engineer and I think mm. it's software developers mm-hmm. is, you, it's like shiny object syndrome. So you think, you hear of an idea or you come up with an idea and you think, that'll be great. I'll, um, I'll just work on that. And then everything else that you've been working on kind of gets put on a back burner. And then you end up with, like I've got juggling these three products, not being able to let one go because you've spent so much time on them um, and kind of like moving between them all. So I think it's, I think it's a developer flaw, I'm going to say, as mm. much as that's the wrong thing. I think you, you don't have that ability to pass something up or actually just drop, drop it and say, just forget about it. So that's the reason I've got three. Okay. So as an entrepreneur, I think that's pretty common. Uh, we get that shiny object syndrome, I guess. My suggestion there, I mean, this is a hard thing I've learned over the years is learn, you know, learn, know when to say no and know when to cut off things that are not, you know, get, you know, adding value or you don't see the huge potential of it. Right? So, you know, I, I don't know where we, we can walk through, you know, which ones are doing better, which one's getting more traction. But, you know, I think from a, you only have so, so much limited time. I think you're the only one working on this, uh, you know, splitting it among three versus going deep into one. I think you might see better results. So just my, my opinion there. Um, Speaking of elementary analytics, how long have you been running? How long have you been running all three of these products? And then, what stage and size are you currently at with elementary specifically? So, if I start with the earliest one, Baitcamp is basically uh, just an idea I come up with chatting to someone on Twitter in April this year. So it's just basically had a bit more downtime, like say, and just didn't. This time, what I normally do is I build something and try and market and sell it. This time, I come up with an idea for like a fishing app. Spoke to all the people in the fishing groups I'm in. I'm a big, I like fishing. Um, cool. Spending weekends doing that. So I'm, it was good to have like a, an idea that's one of your hobbies and like my skills of software development and put that together. And I just got so much good traction and good feedback from it. From people saying, yeah, I'd love the idea. Or yeah, that you could do this, that'd be great. Or what if in the future you could do that? So because I got such good feedback, I was like, well, I can't not do this. Um, so with the extra days off that I had due to the to the, the pandemic, I kind of managed to validate it, get quite a lot of emails from people who are interested. 
and then just build it and get it published on the App Store. So from idea in April, I published it on the App Stores, so Google Play on the App Store in October. So that's something that's really brand new. And I'm kind of, we're talking about priorities and focusing on something that's quite low down. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's been so fun, so so much traction straight away, it's not one of them I don't really want to kind of leave. So that that's that one. Definitely. Beyond that is Outflash, which was... Um, so elementary analytics were born at another startup I was in. And I kind of, when all that kind of fell apart, I give myself sort of six months off from doing anything. So I kind of parked elementary analytics, but then came up with the idea for Outflash, which is um, a similar tool happens to be built for Gmail that allows you to send like mass email from the new message screen. Mm-hmm. And being um, a Microsoft specialist for so long, I was like, I wonder if I could just do that for Outlook. So again, just spent some time. I think it was July 2019. Just got a lot of people, see if they're interested. Yeah, I got again 20, 30 emails. Quickly put something together and just got it out there. Um, and that's been great for me in the, in the pandemic that that's been gaining traction. I've managed to get a few paying customers for that. So I'm kind of like, okay, I don't want to leave that. Um, it's not a massive product either. So I think if I can get that a bit of traction on that, it's something that I don't uh, kind of want to keep going. Mm-hmm. And ele- elementary analytics was a headache that I was having. So me and two friends started a mobile app business, basically around football. So we're big soccer fans. And we built this sort of... It was, again, it was a bit more of a diary thing and, and a, a guide, really. So in the UK, going traveling, following your football team. So I'm in the northwest of England, go around the country supporting my team. And everyone likes to go for a drink before the games, but pubs are very strict on football fans not being allowed in the pubs. So we built, built this app around that. And anyway, that, that escalated into this sort of big social media platform. We had a big following on social media, up to 200,000 people following us. And yeah. being a techie, I was trying to look at the Google Analytics stats, the Facebook stats, Twitter, Instagram, and it was just a nightmare of spending hours so elementary analytics is me solving my headache of building a platform where I could collect all this data and produce that and, and, and see it in a dashboard and being able to have multiple websites as well and link multiple Facebook pages. So elementary analytics is probably about two years old now when I first come up with the idea and then launched it about 12 months later. So that's been a, a sort of a fully formed product for about 12, 18 months. So twelve to eighteen months now that you've you've been running it, um, yeah. And what what what? How many clients or how many users are currently using? How much traffic? Can you give some numbers there? Oh, it's, it's very still very low, very small. Um, okay. I've probably had about five or six people come through just organically from having a marketing site, which nice. has been quite good. And then, um, luckily, I've got quite a few friends who are uh, on their own businesses, and I've got quite a lot of people I used to work with that are in sort of the digital marketing side. So again, mm-hmm. I've probably had about another five, 10 people use it and have been trying to use it and a, a friend of mine's using it at the minute. And I've been, oh, it's all right, I'll give it you for free. He's like, no, no, I, w- I want to pay for it. If I like it, I want to pay for it. So <laughs> just reaching out to my network of people, sort of getting a little bit of traction for it, which is, which is good. Nice. Um, so anything else that, you know, when you were launching your product, so from idea, so you said it was a problem you were having specifically, mm-hmm. And then going out to launch, you said that, how long did that take? And what was like the first 
uh, you know, channel that was it just the friends and and people in your network that, that were signing up or how, what else were you doing to, you know, get that launch? So when I first come up with it, I didn't really, I just was trying to build something that worked for me. Okay. First and foremost, so it looked awful. Just used like bootstrap out of the box. Um, and then sort of looked at, got a, a friend who's a designer I'd worked with on some freelance projects to give me a good like template and went from there and just tried to kind of stitch it together, which took about 12 months and got it all working. Um, and then on, on the back of that was kind of like, okay, I need to try and learn about sales and marketing, which is something I'm very weak on being like mm-hmm. a tech here. You're kind of not strong on that. So that's when I started looking at marketing and, and, and going down things like LinkedIn ads, LinkedIn pages, looking at how I could sort of get people on board. Um, so yeah, so it was kind of like coming up with something to solve my own headache, but then how can I make an MVP and, and move forward with it and try, try and figure this these things out of things I need to do to get people to use in it. So yeah, so Got I did it. try in the early days, try and do sort of ads straight to the website and things like that, which was a real a real challenge. So I think LinkedIn was one of the places I went to, trying to be B2B with it. So. Got it. Yeah, I usually try to discourage people using, you know, paid ads right at the beginning. I think you have a lot to work out, a lot of kinks to, to <laughs> yeah. figure out. And probably that's a channel you want to approach later later on. But I understand the appeal there. It's a little easier than having to go sell. Um, but what, what, what else were some initial costs? So, you know, you had elementary analysis. Obviously, you've been working on it. This is your time in it. Any other costs that went into it to get off the, the ground? Or what was the marketing cost you did to get some clients? Um, so getting off the ground, the costs, well, development works purely my time. Uh, okay. Other costs was actually a designer friend. I was actually paying out mm-hmm. my own pocket for him to come up with things like that. Obviously cool. hosting it um, and then sort of marketing website and things like that. So really just then trying to trying to not really do much spend because it's all self-funded. It was mm-hmm. more using my time to do things like research about content marketing, try and come up with sort of a blog post campaign explaining the product and doing a series of things like that. So I kind of went down the content marketing route just for cheapness and because it's my time to do that first and foremost. Okay. And what were the costs? You know, designer, developer, do you have some numbers you could share there? Yeah. So for, for, the, for the designer, that was basically about £400 he charged mm-hmm. me, which was mm-hmm. friends, friends discounted rate, which was great. Um, and then for me, it's just my time. So marketing, whatever. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, marketing. Sorry. Yeah. And then yeah. it's probably just just um just the running cost of a marketing site. So you're talking ten pounds a month for sort of like a WordPress platform that you can spin sure. up websites. So yeah, cool. so it's not not a massive amount. Okay. Um, have you considered or have you tried doing an actual launch with I guess something like you know Product Hunt and you know other uh, platforms where you get kind of more exposure, TechCrunch, and and trying to get more exposure with the community. <laughs> Yeah, so I've I've launched it on Product Hunt. Um, I think probably this time last year, okay. um, but very very little success. I same I, I tried with Outflash as well. That was very very little success. I've recently put Baitcamp on there, which got real good traction. I got featured, so it's something that I've looked at Product Hunt. And the other thing I tried as well was Reddit. So I'm trying to be yeah. different and try and see where people are actually talking about the problem and trying to solve. So just going into Reddit forums and trying to go down that route and, and, and look at helping people first and foremost and then going, oh, I've also built this tool. So I think that's something I tried doing as well. Okay. Again, just using my time to try and 
to, yeah. to, to, to get that initial traction. Mm, makes sense. Um, what, what else? What else? T- tell me about some more challenges, I guess, you're having right now. Um, you know, I'm assuming, you know, getting users is one. What else are you mm-hmm. facing right now with elementary and growing it? I think that the issue I've had, um, so I think what I, the problem I had with it is I come up with a basic version, which was yeah. just a simple way of collecting your analytics. Mm-hmm. And then I've got an experience from the software development side of being able to produce reports from all the stats that we've got in the back end. So mm-hmm. that's the initial thing I went with. But then I started going down product research route, market research. Um, luckily, I, I got in touch with a business mentor who then was helping me trying to figure all this out. And I think the biggest problem I had, the challenge is I kept changing what I wanted to do with it. And but, going around the house is going around the house and saying, oh, well, what if I target e-commerce people or this sort of people? And I kept kind of putting the reporting off. And then mm-hmm. months later, it come back to the simple analytics on the report which was my initial idea. So I think the biggest challenge I had was I kept talking myself out of what I thought I should do with it. So I think if, if you've got an idea, so my idea, simple analytics and reporting, just mm-hmm. go with it. And I didn't, I spent a lot of time trying to mm-hmm. very, very, get sort of trying to find what people were talking about and what they wanted and then trying to package that into what I already had instead of doing it the other way, going, right, this is what I think and then mm-hmm. getting people to validate so that kind of slowed down the, the launch process really for about six months because I just kept changing my mind on the product. So I think that was mm-hmm. a real, real challenge for me. So with that specifically, so you were hearing what people were telling you. There was some feedback or some uh, frustrations of people were, were saying and you were holding back on what you thought you should do versus what you thought. Um, where, where were you looking for that data? Where were you getting that feedback or, or marketing kind of... Uh, so, so again, just using my time, I'd reach out to sort of digital marketing agencies in, our, in the local area, okay. um, trying to be active in sort of groups on LinkedIn and Facebook, um, nice. just trying to trying to be, sort of bring value to them, chat with them, bring up, build up a relationship and just ask them for the thoughts. So that's that's one of the things that I, I did. And, and it did come back around to sort of, people talked about the reports. And one of the big things that happened is Google released the data, um, data studio which is like a report builder. Yeah. Which kind of put me off, but then it didn't because that can still be quite complicated and That's you right. have to go and build it. Well, what I wanted was elementary analytics is just one push button. I just want a report that's got all my website and social media stats. I don't care how it looks or how it's formatted. I just want the, the stats that I can see on the dashboard. So I kind of went exactly. down that route to keep, to keep down it. So yeah, that was a, a real, real challenge to, to figure out and not to be scared of what, you see and saying, oh, well, I use Google Data Studio and I could have easily shut the product down. So I was exactly. like, well, actually, what can I do that's different um, and, and be sort of like cut me on a little niche that can sit alongside Google Data Studio. So, Yeah, I mean, Google Studio, I mean, yeah, Data Studio, uh, Data Studio I think that, that actually takes a little bit of, you know, I think whether you're a developer, it takes a little bit of uh, skills, right? It's not that easy to set up. And, you know, when companies are looking for SaaS products, they want them they want something to save them the time, right? Save them. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't have the time to figure that out. They're marketers. They want to focus on marketing and they want the, the data available right there, right? If they wanted, if they had that, um, you know, they, they'd do it themselves. But, um, okay. So just looking at your, your pricing page, mm-hmm. uh, I'll talk a little bit about that. So you have 29 pounds a month flat, yep. just yep. one pricing plan, unlimited integrations, unlimited users, um, 
in all the integrations. Why did you decide to go with that uh, one? Why that price and mm -hmm. why unlimited users or, or, you know, why didn't you have different pricing plans? <laughs> um, so I'm trying to be very sort of, I didn't try over and think things. So this will sound um, a little, I'm not sure how this will come across. So £29, <laughs> if I got 100 customers, I can quit my job. That's it. Okay. That's your goal. No, <laughs> that's, that, that's actually very, very, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was it. So it's kind, kind of like, what's the easiest way to, mm. what could, how many customers can you get that then you can work on it full time? Um, and I also, I've read quite a lot of Tony Robbins books and he just goes mm -hmm. about model what's working, model what's working. And I just kind of had a look at other people and some of the tools I quite like. So um, one of the big marketers, Neil Patel, He's mm -hmm. got his own product that I've used called Uber Suggest, which he charges mm -hmm. £29 for. Um, and I think I went and looked at how the Bait Camp people, sorry, Bait Camp, Bait Camp, I always get them. Bait Camp, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so DHH and, and um, the people over there, the, the project management tool over there did it, and they were just a flat fee and everything's in that. And I just, I just liked that because it kept, it kept the product simple because you could have tiered. Or you mm -hmm. could have a bolt-on for the reporting suite in elementary analytics, and it could just get a lot complicated. And because so much time was spent developing it anyway, and then I'm still trying to learn out the marketing, I needed mm -hmm. to try and simplify what I was offering. So that that's the reason I just went down that route, looked at what Got other it. people were doing, and, and tied that into the fastest way to to freedom, basically. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, we've had uh, Neil Patel on our, our podcast a couple a couple months oh, ago. Brilliant. So I understand. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Yeah, Good guy in the space. He knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what it, you know, in terms of challenge? So you want a hundred paying users, right? That's at the the bottom of the funnel. Are you getting enough? Uh, so you offer a thirty day free trial. People to sign yep. up, they can play with it. Are you getting enough traffic in uh, that are converting to to free users? No, not at the minute. Um, no. then that's one of the things I tried to look at sort of paid ads. Like you say, it's, it's quite a challenge. So mm -hmm. again, using Neil Patel's Uber Suggest tool, I'm looking at sort of trying to start ranking in Google, doing keyword research, but that's a real sore process. It can take months to start ranking it all and it's such a competitive space. Um, so yeah, so again, it's just maybe looking at sort of coming up with sort of a funnel to get people in using paid ads offering mm -hmm. some of value, like a free report saying, mm -hmm. well, I think these 15 stats are what you should track on your website and on your social media. Mm -hmm. uh, you can get the report for free and then sort of then introduce them to the product. So I'm kind of looking at sort of doing that as well as just still doing the things I did before, spinning the wheels on Facebook groups and, and in Reddit going, oh, you're having this headache. I've got a tool, do you mind looking at it? You can use it for free. I can give you an extended free trial if you, you like it and you still want to give feedback. So that's the sort of two routes I'm still trying to look at, sort of direct communication and, and then looking at trying to get these people, giving them some value and then offering them the, the free makes, trial. Makes sense. And uh, so I'm seeing just on from an on-page SEO, looks like, I mean, you still haven't optimized on there yet either, right? Because uh, you know if I just Google elementary analytics, um, you know, all we see here from meta description is view all your website and social media insights in one place. So I think you have a lot more you can probably put into there, right? To try to rank for some keywords and oh, oh exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And I think this is one of the challenges you do have, especially being from a developer background to then go, right, I need to start marketing it. And you just, you kind of just sit in front of a screen going, 
I've got to learn yeah. all this. I've got to try and learn about SEO and, and things like that. So it's it's a real sort of skill stacking that you, you've got to try and, and learn. So yeah, any tips is more than welcome. More than welcome. <laughs> so question for you there. So I think typically, you know, we've seen when we work with SaaS companies that we approach, um, usually have two types of, you know, co-founders, right? You have a, a very product focused uh, you know, co-founder, then you have like, you know, the sales and marketing person, usually, you know, working together is where you get the real traction because you, you play to your strengths. And, um, have you considered that and why haven't you, you know, partnered with a marketer or, or some co-founder? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been burnt twice before with working on for other people, with other people. So Got it. <laughs> um, I'm kind of gone, right. I want to do it the complete opposite. Uh, mm-hmm. I am kind of looking at, um, things I can do with saying going to an agency i think there's a few places in the uk that are offering help with your seo for like a quarterly fee they'll do that so that's something i'm kind of considering should see if my personal finances can stretch to that and things like that with the current climate you've got to be careful with how much money you want to spend so yeah so i think the partnership i'm looking at is is doing things like that looking at things that like upwork as well using seo writers on there people who are experienced with writing blog posts that's mm-hmm. another avenue I'm, I'm also considering to to try and sit alongside the stuff I'm learning is people that's already got the experience. How can I access them quickly um, instead of just getting a pure founder and, and, and something? So, yeah, I kind of just want to keep it on my own from past experiences. Uh, that's a fair point. And yeah, I wouldn't suggest rushing into anything that, <laughs> unless you're 100% sure. Yeah, that's a... Something that can you know make or break your company, as you've seen before. Uh, if you have the wrong you know founding team or first initial hires, it can you know in, in, either you know put you in the right trajectory or, or ruin it completely, right? Um, oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what else? So other than you know that what you mentioned, any other you know failures or learning experience which you you would do differently from you know launching from these these products so far? Yeah, I think chatting about what I did with kind of moving around with what I wanted to do with it. I think that's the biggest learning. And I think the failure is I, I could have just put something out there and then got the six months feedback from people and then changed the track instead of going, oh, well, what if I do it this way? What if I do it that way? So I think mm. that's one of the, the biggest fails that I had with it to start with. Um, and I think as well, one of the things I've always done with a lot of products, so this isn't the first thing I've ever worked on. I've got a I have my own podcast actually where I talk about all the failed projects. I've got a big long project <laughs> graveyard. And what I used to tend to do was jump in with both feet and just work on it for six months, 12 months with, we're going to be millionaires. It's going to be amazing with no product validation, no market validation. <laughs> Looking if someone's actually doing this already. And if they are, there is a market out there. Some of the stuff I built in the past, no one was doing. So how do you know people are going to pay for it? So I think... That's been a big failure that I've done a couple of times. So I think if anyone's sort of going down the route of that is make sure you've done your validation. You've got people that are interested first and foremost. And like I said, with Baitcamp and, and, and Outflash, that's what I did first and foremost. Put a one-page lending site up and went to find people that were interested in giving me their email first and foremost, to, to, even before I started seeing if it was possible because you don't want to waste Wasting four weeks doing that instead of wasting four months building something that no one's going to do is way better for, for your sanity. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Validate, right? Before spending all that money. Exactly. So, so you mentioned one thing there, which is, uh, 
you know, you, you built a product that wasn't already in the market. This was an open field versus mm-hmm. now where there's already, you know, competition out there. It's already been proven in the market. You know, looking at both of those scenarios, what, what, do, you, what do you like and what do you prefer? Now with the experience from the, the failed stuff, I always go with, if there's something there already, great. And I think I've read a book, I can't remember which book it is, by Seth Gordon. Mm-hmm. And um, so me trying to learn more about marketing, I kind of went into the Seth Gordon world. I think I really like how he talks about stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, if there's no one in that market, what you're doing, you know, why are you even in there? And he, he said, like, if, there's, if it's really competitive, great, because they've done all the legwork for you. They know there's customers out there. They've done all the market research. They can show you what's going on. So why do it? And he goes on about a thousand true fans by Kevin Kelly. So he right. says, you only need a thousand people out of that niche that, that like what you do and prefer what you do and loyal to you. So I think if I look at something now, so when I was doing bait camp, I was getting all this interest, but I still went on the app stores and went, is the fishing apps? Yes, there is. There's loads. And there was one that was huge. And I was like, great. So there's obviously a market for this. So don't be scared by the big boys. The big boys have done all the, the hard work for you. So yeah, grab onto the tail courts and run with them. Don't don't try and um, follow it. I think what was the, a saying I heard recently was everyone who's the ground breakers have got a lot of errors in the backs and are normally crawling through the mud. So exactly. don't be one of them. Be one of the people who's you know following their path. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's a lot of room for disruption. People think just because there's a leader in this space that you can't come in and build a, a small segment or a different target audience or who you want to target. You know, they may, may be just focusing on the big guys, but, you know, if you look at the the, the curve there, right, you can always focus on the long tail users yeah. and there's yeah. still millions, that could be millions or a thousand, like you mentioned. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Seth Bowden, love his his work. I would love to have him on the podcast. He's one of my, <laughs> yeah. my top five that I love to have on. So Hopefully he, he joins us one day. Um, so speaking about, you know, target ideal client profile or in the ICP or buyer persona, um, mm-hmm. have you figured out exactly who you want to target or who you want to be selling to? So you mentioned agencies. Yeah. Is that the you know, other marketing agencies? What else? You said e-commerce or are you still kind of undecided? Yeah. So I think that there's kind of like I've got three that I've kind of come up with, done the old persona, printing off mm-hmm. a person, a picture and done all that. So I used to work with a lot of marketers who... And this is one of the things I went down the reporting route. I used to work with a lot of marketers who would produce reports. And I remember one of the marketing directors I used to work with spent a week or a fortnight producing this report, gave it to the CEO, he flicked through it and then threw it in the top of a drawer of his desk, never looked at it again. (laughs) So when I was coming up with the reporting side for, for, for elementary analytics, that's what I looked at was marketers who need to produce reports. Can I make it really quick for them? to try and save them time. So that's one persona I've got. Digital agencies, because people who um, I've used to work with again, they're kind of kind of using it and seeing, yeah, it could help us solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I'm going to try and go uh, a bit more deep, and I think one of my focuses, small business owners. So my friend's a small business owner. He runs a family business. They're very offline. Now they're trying to tra- transition online with everything. Yeah. And he's reached out to me and said, oh, I've heard you about your tool, uh, Elementary Analytics on your podcast. Do you mind if I can log on and try it? And I was like, yeah, no, go for it. I'd love it to give you feedback. So I think everyone's trying to transition onto this offline thing and small business owners. So I'm just wondering, mm. that's the kind of persona I want to look at is small business owners, the challenge of going online, 
and then trying to learn Google Analytics, Facebook Insights on top of that could be really overwhelming. So if I can take that headache from them and say, you know, you can have all your stats in one dashboard, they go focus on actually building traffic to your website and getting your online mm. sales up. So just to kind of go, I want to go a little bit more deeper and uh, understanding that. So maybe maybe you should something to think about. So you, you mentioned agencies and small business owners moving online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, agencies specifically. Do you have a size? You know, team size, size of revenue, uh, of where they should be looking at. Who can afford twenty nine dollars a month? And then same with the small businesses, because I feel, you know, working with marketing. You know, we have an agency as well, um, and we work with you know a lot of uh, companies. Um, you know, paying 29 pounds a month for a report may seem, you know, they, they might not see the value of it if they're a small shop, yep. right? So I'm trying to explain to me where, you know, specifically what you see there. Yeah, I think with the with the agencies, I think that the, the people I'm trying to target again is sort of like three to 10 people, the people I've spoken to and the people are using it. So that's the sort of agency I want to use. Cool. Um, again, with the, the, the small business owner, I think, yeah, it's expensive, but I think the way I'd try and market it is like that £29 does sound a lot, but how much is your time worth per hour? And mm-hmm. if I can help you every month to get all your stats in one go and you can just log in and it works on mobile, it works on tablets, it doesn't matter what device you're on. If you want to, you know, you're trying to go to a business meeting and you want to see how things are performing, you can just go on your phone, log in and see it all that way. So it's ease of use for you as a, as a business owner to, to be able to monitor what's happening but without having to spend hours and hours and hours to 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 log into everything and, and try and solve that issue yourself. So I think that's the way I'm trying to wrap so here, here's a question for you. myself. <laughs> here's, so here's a question for you. If, if you're a, a local store that you're building an online website, how much traffic and how many followers do you have? Oh, good question. Um, probably zero, right? Probably zero, <laughs> yeah. So what, uh, what are you tracking? <laughs> Yeah, good question. All right. So uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get to is that maybe they don't see the value of it at that point. You're, you're saying the people who want to transition, unless mm-hmm. they've been around for a while, like they might see the, they do see the value of digital marketing, but I think the value of the report and seeing the trends and growth um, really becomes important later on, maybe not at right, that stage. So, yeah. Just All something. Right, cool. Yeah. Good feedback, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thought of that. <laughs> just, just something I you know, don't want you to waste your time with people because they might not... Um, You'll yeah, see the real too early in the game. Yeah, yeah, cool. just too early. Yeah, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, wh- what do you think is the real impact of the product? Where, where does so we talked about a little bit about the competition. What does it differ from the you know multitude of the space of where your product is in? You know, compared to the other guys. I think for me, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it with the name of it. I'm trying to keep it simple. I think one of the things I found when I was doing all the research, I actually reached out to people on Reddit and got chatting to a, a gentleman who. He actually got on a call with me and introduced himself. Said, "I've been a little bit underhand here. I'm actually a product owner for um, one of the big software houses that are doing this, based in Europe." And he says, "Oh, you could still work from home. I very rarely see developers that understand the problem come mm-hmm. and work for us." And I was like, "All oh, right, so I'm on something." Um, and he gave me like a free login to to to, to their um, suite of tools. And again, what I wanted to do was kind of validate with logging in that, that it still seemed very, very complicated and very, very overwhelming. So what I want to try and do is make 
all this starts seem as simple as possible in a dashboard. So that's mm. that's the way I want to I want to try and carve cool. my my niche out with it. Simplicity, I love it. Yeah, that, that yeah, exactly, was, exactly. Because even today, I've been looking at Google Analytics for my own stuff, and being a techie, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking I was trying to do like a sales funnel builder on it, and I was just like, oh, it's so difficult. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah make it simple, for it. simple, simple works. I love it. Yeah. Um, any, can you share any final advice for people who you know? Because you said you've been through a lot of failures. You you have a list mm-hmm. of things that didn't work. Uh, people are listening who want to start their own SaaS companies. Any advice for them? Yeah, I think we've touched on it. I think just test it, test it, mm-hmm. test it, test it, test it. So okay. it's so easy now to. So one of the things I use is just this one-page landing builder, and I've mm-hmm. got on. I think it's nineteen dollars a year. And you can build as many one-page websites as you can. So just go that and try and drive traffic to it and, and, and validate your idea. Because an example I want to give is, so that the mobile app that the startup that Elementary Analytics is kind of born out, I spent sort of 12 months, probably a little bit longer, probably 15 months building everything for it. And then it's, it's, it's still nothing. So look at the 15 months or look at five weeks of actually validating an idea which which would you rather waste? So I think that's one of the, the biggest things I'd said. And it's so easy now to to drive ads and traffic to it. So like a sorry with Bait Camp, what I did is I had this fishing idea and I had a guitar idea as well for a mobile app. And I just okay. went onto Reddit and Facebook groups. So I didn't even put up a website and said, this is what I'm thinking of doing with the fishing app. This is what I'm thinking of doing with the guitar app. So just go and chat to people about it. And everyone loved the fishing app. And everybody hated the guitar idea. Right. I got absolutely slated on it, Reddit. Everybody was like, this is stupid. What are you even thinking? I was like, all oh, right. <laughs> but the great thing was I'd validated the idea within 24 hours. So I think anyone that wants to start your own, if, if, there's, a, if there's a market already there, if there's big boys already out there, great. Don't worry about it. But yeah, mm-hmm. valid, even if you've got an idea then that someone else is doing, validate it because you, you just you, you don't want to waste your time because time's the only thing you can't. Money keeps coming back, time doesn't. So that's, exactly. that's the biggest thing: is t- test your ideas as much as you can. Um, and I think what I did, and I think another tip that I I stopped doing, I'd never done actually, and then I did with the bait camp one, was see if people have actually paid up front for it. So what I did with bait camp was um, pay five pounds to be part of the pre-launch campaign. And mm. someone did. So I ended up with a load of emails from an ad campaign and someone had actually pre-purchased. So they thought it was good enough to go, oh yeah, go on, I'll, I'll give you five pounds. So if someone can pay you, even better, you've actually validated it with cold hard cash. Yeah. So, yeah. What about the freemium model where you said you were giving this out for free to a few of your friends and, and then yeah. after they came out and asked, you know, say, hey, no, it's okay, I'll pay for it. Um, yeah. Versus, you know, why didn't you charge up front and, to really validate it at that point? Um. I think with this one, again, I think because I did the, the trying to modeling what worked. So mm. I just looked at what Basecamp did uh, and just trying to give, give a free trial. And I think what I wanted to try and do as well with it was to get genuine users in and then try and get feedback from them. Um, because it could be, if you put a paywall up, it could be a lot more difficult to get the initial sort of feedback that you need. I think it could be a hard, hard, harder sell to, to get that feedback. 
you know, yeah, especially with SaaS, right? People need to they need to feel they need to use the product unless you're giving a demo, which could be expensive and time consuming. Yeah, yeah. it makes perfect sense just to get them to use it and, and give them real get feedback right there. Yeah, because it's so easy to track that someone's not subscribed after thirty days. So you know, just do a few follow ups and and try and get feedback, which is a challenge in itself. But yeah, that, yeah. that's what one one way I was uh, that, that I tried going with it. Yeah. So uh, Philip, you mentioned you know Neil Patel. You mentioned you know Seth Godin. Any other people or, you know, mentors, people you follow or books that you recommend that have been influential to you or that you want to share with our audience? Yeah. So I think I'd already mentioned sort of Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week. Oh, yeah, I think when I, when I was, what I had is I had a real frustration with working and, and didn't sort of figure anything out. I couldn't work out how to start my own thing. And it was just like, well, I've not got cash injection. I don't have much savings. I don't have this to start a business. And really the four hour work week gives me the inspiration to go, well, you don't need to. There's so much you could do. Exactly. So Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Workweek, I think I'd recommend to people. Yeah. And then the book I read after that was uh, a gentleman called Chris Gillibo, mm. The $100 Startup, which is a, a great book. And again, it's just, you don't need much money to start. Um, and I think Tim Ferriss stuff's good. Chris Gillibo then did a podcast, which I think is still running, called Side Hustle School. Mm-hmm. which does a 10-minute interview of every day with someone who started a side hustle. So I think, check out Chris Gillyboy. He's got a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah, I mentioned Seth Gordon. Another gentleman, which is good, which gave me inter- inspiration, is Pat Flynn, Smart mm-hmm. Passive Income. Yep. So um, doing all this stuff with building something and then trying to sell it, I got into Pat Flynn's book, Will It Fly? And then in the pandemic, he actually gave his sister course out for free. So I've done mm-hmm. that again. So I think if you want to start learning about how to really validate, Pat Flynn's Will It Fly book is brilliant. It's a real like walkthrough, thick book, a real walkthrough, the steps you need to do. So it, it's a real playbook for how to, to yeah. do it. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's really good as well. All fantastic people. Uh, yeah, Tim Ferriss is also on my top five list. So you mentioned <laughs> yeah. two of them. That's awesome. <laughs> Love to have him on. Awesome. Any other uh, final you know, questions or thoughts or anything you want to share with our audience or any questions you want to ask me before we, we wrap this up? No, no. I, th- I think the, the, the feedback you've got about the um, the, the small business owners mm. and, and actually not going down that, I think that's a, a great point. And I think having your feedback from like that is like I said, running it yourself, which you've mentioned can be tough because I've come up with this idea and you think, mm-hmm. right, that'll be cool because I've got a friend who's in that situation. So yeah, so your feedback's been brilliant. Yeah, so thanks very much. No problem. Glad, glad I could help and uh, hope this was this was useful for everybody else as well listening. Cool. Th- thank you so much for joining, Philip. I, I hope uh, this was good for you and uh, thank you everybody listening. If this was good, obviously, like I said, let me know. Uh, tweet me at Akil Jabbar and uh, see if we'll try to do more episodes like this. All right. Thank you so much, Philip. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks on. for me on. Cheers. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Horizon Capital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.